think it was about four weeks ago, I didn't check the date, but uh, about four weeks or so back, James sent me an email and um, asked me if I would uh, be willing to speak again uh, and speak on a topic that kind of flows on from last week. What did we cover last week? (laughs) James can't remember, but someone over here does, and they said Pentecost. (laughs) James has moved on already. (laughs) He's probably moved on to next week and (laughs) not paying attention today either. So... (laughs) Oh, he's got his notebook, handy-dandy notebook. <laughs> that takes me back. Um, so yeah, James asked me if I'd speak about uh, speak off the back of Pentecost and speak about, and no pressure, but to release creativity or stir up creativity in the church. So not feeling any pressure whatsoever as to the outcome of this message. <laughs> That's James's standard, okay? <laughs> Excellent. So uh, if, I, if I throw that word in front of you, how many of you, and let's do it by the usual gesture of putting your hand up, how many of you consider yourselves to be creative? Excellent. If those people put their hands down and the few that remained, um, perhaps just put your hand up just for my reference, not for others to look at. If you don't think you're very creative or creative, there were a few hands that didn't go up before, but they're not going up again, so maybe they've shifted their thinking. Thank you. There's a few. Um, Hopefully I'm speaking to you as well as to those who have already put their hand up. And I, I'm not sure if I need to do much now, James, because most people in here consider themselves creative, so that's really helpful. And we've got a new member in church this morning, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Robert. <laughs> so, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit being considered as the launching or the start of the church. And James covered this really well last week. If you're anything like me, I don't think if I'd been there on the day of Pentecost, I don't think it would have been too long before I would have felt like I needed another visit back to that upper room, saying, God, I've, I've leaked. I need filling again. But it's intriguing that Pentecost is only, we only read about it once because the Holy Spirit was poured out and continues to be poured out, is continually available to us. And even though we leak of his presence, um, Paul encouraged us, amongst others, to be being filled. If you look at the be filled with the Spirit, it's be being filled. It's a continual thing. And, uh, and God is really good, because this past week, and I, this is going to feel like a bit of a hodgepodge, um, and this is purely here for reference. I'm not going to use it. <laughs> I may, I may pick up one or two things, but I'm not actually going to because I'm not prepared to be doing anything on there this morning. But um, I was reading. Uh, I've been going through various parts of the Bible over months, and I've been trying to work my way at times through the Bible, and I'm up to numbers. 
But then I digress and I go off and I look at Luke and I start reading through Luke. And, and anyone else like me that sort of you don't settle in one place, but you kind of go where hopefully the Holy Spirit leads. Well, this week I picked up um, my Bible where it was at in Numbers. And it was in Numbers 11. And I was reading this passage there. And the people of Israel were frustrated with their um, their diet of manna. They got a bit fed up with it being the same old, same old every day, and they complained, as they often did, to Moses. And so Moses goes to God, as as he should do, because he doesn't need to carry that burden on his own. And he goes to God and says, you know, Everyone's complaining to me about the diet, and um, I don't think he kind of says, "I don't think this is fair that I have to carry this on my own." And God says, "Right, well, gather the seventy elders, or gather seventy elders, and bring them to the tabernacle, to the tent, and I'll meet with you there." And I'm not going to read it out this morning. I just want to kind of tell you the story, and so. 70 elders gather, although we discover that there were two that weren't gathered. And what happens is God turns up, as he often did in those times, in the form of a cloud at the tent. And and it says that basically what God did was took of the spirit that he'd put on Moses and placed it on the, other, on the elders. And they prophesied. And intriguingly, they only did it the, on that occasion, it, it suggests. But a fascinating thing happens in this story. There were two of the elders who hadn't turned up. They were still back in the camp. They hadn't come to the tent. But they didn't miss out. So they were there. and We don't know the reason why they didn't show up. But we do know that it was reported that they prophesied in the camp because the same Holy Spirit came upon them because of what God was wanting to do. And people being people, a few people didn't like this because you know this didn't seem right. So they complained to Moses. And, in, and Moses kind of says, well, do you think I should be jealous? I wish that all of Israel were able to prophesy. I think Moses got a glimpse of what Pentecost was about. That God wants to pour his spirit out on all flesh, on his sons and his daughters of, of any age. And James touched on this last week that you know, he talked out of the... It was mentioned in Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost that you know, God would pour out his spirit in these last days and um, young men would dream dreams and old men would get have visions and and there would be um, prophetic utterances etc etc and Moses it appears foresaw this and he wanted that for the nation Israel way back then and this morning as I talk about creativity some of you might think oh well I'm more like those two I don't consider myself 
counting in, um, they may not have considered themselves elders or for whatever reason they might have been distracted, but they didn't feel like they, they fitted, but God fitted them in. And you may not feel like you fit with the topic of creativity, but hopefully by the end of today, you'll see that this is part of who you are as much as those who put their hand up immediately. So, so I've been encouraged to talk about creativity. And um, about 18 years ago, I started to explore a crea- an aspect of my creative side. I'd been exposed to artists, and when I'm talking artists, I'm talking people who were studying art. I, I flattered at university, sorry, I, I was in a hostel at university, um, and the guy next door was doing fine arts, and uh, often shared time in his room and looked at what he was learning to do, and he was doing things with chain mail, with painting, with um, sculpting, all sorts of creative stuff and uh, I was fascinated by it but I didn't think that was something that I kind of could do I thought you know he's at this caliber up here and and then um, a couple of years later I was flatting with another fine arts student and um, liked what they did I was inspired by it to the point of that's great that's wonderful but didn't feel that that was you know me although I dabbled occasionally with sketching things and so on um, But about 18 years ago, uh, there was a couple in the church that I was part of, and the wife was, basically she was dying of cancer, and I was the pastor, and I was visiting her on a regular basis, or her and her husband on a regular basis, and he was was dabbling as an artist, as a hobby, and he would often have the canvas sitting in the lounge, and as I went around and visited, he might even be working on the canvas and then put that down, and we would have a coffee and pray together and do what we uh, do what was appropriate at that time. Got talking to him about what he was doing, and I saw the progression of his art and thought that was great. There was another friend of ours who was also involved in ministry, and he was very much an artist. Uh, there were a number of murals throughout the South Island that he had done um, professionally, and uh, now he works mostly with airbrushes, work um, views of Marlborough Sounds kind of area and um, water scenes and things, and he sells his work for you know, sort of incredible figures of money Um, but he had been giving advice to this other friend and and somehow that was shared with me and and what happened was I started to think I think I could do that something stirred within me and hopefully today for some of you something might stir within you not to do what I'm going to show you what I now do um, but to stir something in you to continue with what you might be doing already or to have a go with something that you might have wanted to for some time. And so this idea sort of stirred within me and then I acted on it. So this, this is it, folks. This is where this comes into play. I went and bought a canvas <laughs> It wasn't this particular one. I could have actually brought that particular one along, but I've got a picture of it to show you. Um, Bought a canvas, 
that was the start. The next challenge, oh, I bought some paints. There's a few paints here, but they, I just bought one of those cheap little multicoloured sets that, you know, <laughs> that was my starting point. And then I look at a blank canvas and it's like, okay, what's going to go on that? <laughs> and it took, I don't know how long it took me, but it took quite a while before I found a photo of our son who was at the time, not sure, I think he was probably about six or seven at the time, but it was a photo of him when he was about two on the drums after church one Sunday. Um, he used to crawl up to the drum set before he could walk. He studied um, music, he's a drummer, but he's now a civil engineer as well. But anyway, I digress. So, so I picked up this canvas, found this photo, and then made a start. I didn't go to classes, I'm self-taught mostly. I've started going to workshops and things in recent times. We'll see what comes up next on here. So I've touched on that. Um, this was my first painting. <laughs> so I look at it now and think, oh yeah, there's a few things I could change to it and so on, but, but that was the starting point. About 18 years ago, Ever since I've had a canvas on the go. So having done one of our son, I thought I'd better balance it out and do one of our daughter. And let me just give you a disclaimer. Leah does not like this painting. <laughs> it's not because of how, how I did it. It's because she didn't like the photo that that painting has taken off. But who knew at the time that I was doing that? She told me later. So, so having balanced that out, and that's not a very good photo of that painting, but uh, it's what it is. That was my second go. What I discovered in painting was that, and, and at the same time that I started to do this, not long after, I stepped away from pastoral ministry. And what I've discovered in this journey for both my spirituality, my faith, and my discovery of a side of my creativity is that life is far less black and white than I ever thought it used to be. I used to know way more than I know now. <laughs> Those who are getting on in years, will, I think, will understand. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> And it's the same with, uh, I started to see the world differently as I tried to interpret what I saw and put it on a canvas. I saw light, started to see light and shade. Um, this doesn't match where it comes in my notes, but it doesn't matter. I s shape and form, colour and hue, composition, texture, still life and actual life. Um, Different mediums, glazes, layering, gesture and movement and, and so much more. I started to literally see things differently um, as I learnt and, and practised and put more time into what I was doing. Part, painting's one side of my creativity, but... Um, there's more to it than that. And let me say, for me, it's particularly cheap therapy. It's helped dig me out of so many holes in, in mentally and emotionally, and, um, and creativity does that. 
Eric Liddell is famously quoted in the movie Chariots of Fire as saying, God made me for a purpose, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. I've done a bit of running. I've worn my knee out as part of that, but um, I used to love running. I wasn't anywhere near as the caliber of Eric Liddell, but running, when I'm painting, when I'm doing something creative, in a similar way, I think I feel his pleasure, God's pleasure. I think creativity fits well with Pentecost because it opens up a whole other time when the Holy Spirit was poured out but um, we'll come to that in a a moment because I've realised my notes aren't quite in the order I thought they would be so let's just flow with what's on the slides (laughs) so a little bit of my painting journey is is what comes next and I've chosen some paintings because they have particular stories that go with them so there's a big painting on the wall in our lounge that if you ever come around to our very small home uh, you'll think it's probably oversized but it's of the Boulder Bank in Nelson with the lighthouse and there's this boat sitting in front of it but then having done this big painting with that scene because we were living in Nelson at the time I then did the smaller painting of this little ferry boat which is now retired from service but uh, it used to be a crabbing boat and a friend of ours, a good friend of ours Lynn's actually staying with them in Nelson this weekend so that's why she's not here this morning Um, she saw that painting and she said oh Dave I really like that painting Um, could I have it? And I sat with that thought for, I think, probably a couple of weeks. And she probably wasn't quite as blunt as that, but it was along those lines. And something stirred within me. And so I gave it to this person with a note that basically said, you have not because you ask not, and since you've asked, you now have. It, it sits in a fairly prominent place in the lounge um, in Nelson. So uh, just something that God's spirit can stir within us and through our creativity and also our, through cheeky friends. Um, this this one's uh, Dunedin Harbour um, and took me many hours. If you see the original of that, each stone is almost individually painted. So I... I get into detail and I get lost in it and it's getting lost in the detail of, of um, trying to reflect on our creator God is where God ministers to me in that process. This is on the Molesworth station on the Molesworth road and uh, it now hangs in a GP practice in Omaru, which is intriguing because it was in a gallery very briefly in Nelson and um, didn't sell. I got an email about a week after the exhibition closed from this doctor um, in, from Omaru who said, oh, we were in Nelson and we saw that and we, we were scouting out something for our um, reception area in our practice and we just wondered if it's still for sale. You know, the beauty of that was I didn't have to pay any commission to the gallery. So <laughs> it was uh, quite a blessing in some ways. Cause, uh, so anyway, that's that one. Um, this one here 
good friends of ours, uh, former work colleague, had approached me and said, would you do a painting? Our daughter's getting married and we'd like you to do a painting of our batch on the boulder bank. Um, and I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. I'd love to do that. And we kind of talked roughly about what that might cost. Um, heard nothing back from her for months. <laughs> anyway, the, they then set the date for um, Valentine's Day, uh, this was a few years ago. And uh, so this dear friend comes to me in the middle of January and says, um, remember when I asked you about doing a painting for the wedding? <laughs> I know it's a bit late. <laughs> Do you think you could? <laughs> this, this is the result <laughs> of uh, nothing like time pressure. Um, and so I started to, before long, as you go further back from the front, the stones were less individually painted. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> anyway, we bumped, I, we bumped into this couple, last, not the couple that got married, the couple that commissioned the painting, last weekend at Zealandia, which is another story of God's um, connectivity, and, um, and they mentioned again how much uh, they get comments about that painting. So... I'm just grateful. We moved to the UK a number of years ago, or a few years back, four years ago, four and a half years, four and a half years ago. Get it right, David. Um, and the church we started to attend, and that's a whole other story, but not long after we'd gone to this church, they were doing a, an art exhibition. Um, and so I got wind of it. And thought, right, I'll put together a few bits and pieces to put in it. I can't remember the exact title or the theme, but it was something around light. um, And God is, I think it was God is the light of the world, something like that. So this is one of three that I put together and I entitled this one, In the Beginning. Um, Or no, sorry, yeah. Let there be light, or in the beginning. Let there be light, sorry, was what I titled this one. Intriguingly, when I put it up on Facebook, um, as you often do with these sorts of things, my brother, who's he's a long way from anything close to stepping towards God. He's very much, uh, he probably calls himself more of an atheist. Um, we've not had that conversation in a long time, but, but he liked this, despite me putting the title and explaining what it was about and so on. Um, yeah, because art, and I'll touch on this in a bit, art is prophetic. Creativity can be prophetic. This next one, and this is not a, please don't think this is about me putting out anything about me. This is the journey I've been God that God has on, that God has opened up for me. And it started with taking a blank canvas. It started with the imaginary thought of, I think I could have a go at that. It started with the inspiration of seeing what others had done and were doing and not thinking that I could be as good as them but seeing there was something there that could stir in me. Um, So this one, Edgecombs. It was our favourite little cafe on the south coast of England um, between where we were living in Little Hampton and Chichester, or Chai as it's known. And, uh, and it was through a country road that I would take on the journey to work most mornings of the week because I worked at two different um, hospital trusts and one 
couple of days a week I'd go in the direction that passed this cafe. And then they were telling me in the cafe, and they started putting signs up, that they were going to um, shut down the old cafe and they were going to build a new one. And the old cafe was in this barn-like, this double barn sort of structure, which is what those two um, curves are in the background. And it was just a, sort of a black building on the outside. But as you went inside, the cafe is what you see in that image. Um, it was very rustic. It was quite cute. And they made excellent coffee, unlike most places in the UK. <laughs> And so I got to know them there, and, uh, and as I picked up the story, they were going to close down this particular little cafe. God stirred something in me to paint this painting, to capture the outside of the old cafe, to capture the inside of the old cafe, and, and then in, in the process of, putting, of painting it, the thought came very early that this was to be a gift to them to remind them of what it used to be like. So the photo on the top right, which is not very clear, but I think you can see what's in it. It was me, without this, um, <laughs> sitting in front of the painting on the wall in the new cafe with my card un that I'd written to them underneath it framed. <laughs> and I um, had the privilege of meeting with the owner because when I gave it to them I just I dropped it off on the way to work one morning and left it with the card and wrapped up and the owner rang me um, before too long and said oh look I'd love to meet you and so I got to share the story and also share that I was a Christian and that I felt God had stirred me to do this and that's why I put that up there I think we're getting towards the end of these oh, this is another commission that I um, was asked to do by another work colleague over in the UK and it's a blend of winter and, and summer in a uh, Swiss alpine village that was this was for her husband for his um, special birthday I think 40th and uh, this was a special family place that they would travel to regularly So, um, and, and I didn't know at the time but there were various things that I had pulled out from the about four photos they'd given me um, and put into that image that were particularly special to Rob, who it was given to. Again, God just did something with that. I think we're nearly there. This is what I'm currently working on. I've moved from acrylics. All those previous ones were acrylics, and I'm moving into oils. And this is our granddaughter. Um, and uh, it, again, you doesn't quite catch the full um, colours there and so on, but uh, yeah, I'm having fun with, with that one, trying to capture her. Um, yeah, it's not quite right, but you haven't seen the photo of her that it's compared to, so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it at that. So Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and was poured out, and people spilled out of the upper room and out onto the streets. There was another special time where the Holy Spirit came and did something, and that was back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. And in creating, it tells us that the Holy Spirit hovered over creation and was part of the creation process in that hovering. 
on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit didn't just hover, but came and kind of landed, and uh, and something new was generated. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, new things get stirred up. The Holy Spirit's shown up this morning. And uh, I hope that nothing we've done since our time of worshipping, and thank you, Anna. And Anna, you are one of the gems of creativity in this church. And we see an expression of it through your singing and your songwriting, but there's a depth to you that goes into other areas of creativity. That, um, And some of them, I believe, may be latent and God's going to just prompt you at times. And the um, the pre-service prayer gathering that we had, your dad um, prayed something about a, a prodding of the Holy Spirit. I think God's going to prompt you at times to pick up other aspects of your creativity and uh, and uh, let it happen. Yeah, just encourage you to let it happen. Um, Amber Jane's not here this morning, but her photography is something else God ministers through her and and I will do my best to tell her this Um, God ministers through her and her photography Um, and others in this church are doing amazing things some some of which I've yet to discover because we're still getting to know many of you and and I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to stand here and to to speak with you. But um, so God creates; it's part of who He is. It's it's in His nature, and it was out of His imagination, out of His desire, out of His dreams that He created. And I think I touched on it last, or one of the times that I've spoken, it was because there was something in the heart of God to have someone else to pour his love out on, and that's you and I. And Pentecost was an expression of that outpouring of love because God didn't want it to just be limited to those 120 or so in the upper room. He wanted it to spill out onto the streets. The The miracle of Pentecost, in my mind, a, a huge part of that miracle is that the gospel was presented in languages that people could understand. Languages that were not necessarily taught to the people that were speaking them because they were speaking in languages they didn't even know. And And I'm finding through my creative expression, through some of the stories that I've shared with you, that God is doing something through his spirit working in me sometimes despite me to bring an aspect of his gospel to the people outside the church because the Holy Spirit and the the gospel of Jesus is way more important than something that we can hold on to as as the in club (laughs) Pentecost was an expression to to push us out about presenting the the gospel in many languages and and the art forms are some of those languages drama dance painting, sculpting graphic design 
interior design. Michelle, where's Michelle gone? She's probably out with the kids or something. Is she? Yeah, yeah. Um, and others. Photography, which is something that I enjoy as well because it's what I use to <laughs> do that. Um, in the Old Testament, and we seem to be landing there a little bit this morning, there's a, there's a guy that was mentioned last week in the Bible Project video clip, and animation, by the way, is another creative, prophetic media for presenting the Word of God, for presenting a reflection on God's creation. Um, but there was one, in amongst those stories last week, there was a guy, and I think his name was pronounced... Bezalel in, in that one, but I would say Bezalel, and it's in Exodus 31, verse 2 following, and again, we don't need to actually go there, but, but it was the, make, the making of the tabernacle, and God had given all these just phenomenal instructions about how to build the tabernacle. I think I've got, ah, so I'll come back to that one. Let's go through to this one. No, I'll come back. All, you, didn't, you didn't see those slides. <laughs> okay. Um, so God had given all these incredible instructions on making the tabernacle and all the items, the articles to go in it. Different creatures carved in gold and bronze and... Uh, things that there weren't even creatures to look at, to <laughs> kind of, you know, cherubim to go on the end of the the ark and those, that sort of thing. And and Bezalel was given this particular task as the lead craftsperson to oversee, like the as the foreman, if you like creation or um, the making of all of these items he must have been phenomenally skilled but it tells us also that the Holy Spirit basically gifted him to do this and I think we can all think of folk that we know are particularly gifted when it comes to artistic endeavours and if we don't know them personally, we might have heard of some of these people like Michelangelo who painted the Sistine Chapel, although it was him and a whole lot of others that were working for him. But um, People like Van Gogh who wasn't recognised in his time but now his paintings sell for hundreds of millions, um, people who are particularly anointed of God in some ways in these areas, like Bezalel. And I think Bezalel was something of a type of Christ because as he crafted everything for the tabernacle, Jesus is crafting everything and building his church. And so our creativity can, and I'm just kind of going to throw my notes away, I think, because it's probably best and for the sake of time. Um, our creativity can not only be prophetic, but it can be warfare. Because, see, God made man 
in his image, in his likeness. We are made in God's image and his likeness. And a big part of being made in his image and in his likeness is the creative nature of God is inherent in us, in each one of us, regardless of whether we think we are creative or not. There's an aspect of God's creativity that's inherent within you. And I would go as far as to say every day, each one of us express that. Whether it's in our work, whether it's in our leisure time, um, whether it's in conversations with people and we and an idea drops in our head and we share it. Because creativity is also our words. Our words can be creative. We can build up. We can also tear down. But we can encourage and, and bring hope to situations and add life to someone else. That's being creative. There's a whole lot more that I was probably going to say. I'll just see what else we've got here. So we carry his image in our creativity. Now, there, it was so much in God's nature to have a creative aspect that when it came to finding a family for his son to be born into, Joseph was chosen to be kind of like the stepdad, if you like. And Joseph, as we've heard through the accounts of the nativity story, Joseph was called, most of our translations suggest he's a carpenter. So I don't know about you, but the word carpenter kind of brings up the thought of, uh, you know, he kind of helped build houses and had a hammer and nails, which is intriguing. Because a hammer and nails were used for something else in Jesus' story. Um, the Greek word that's been translated as carpenter is tekton. More recently, a lot of the scholars have suggested that carpenter is a little limited in the translation of this word. And even builder is perhaps a little limited because a tekton is basically an artisan craftsman who would work with wood, with metals, and with stone. And so God chose an, a, a family line and business for his son to be born into that ex continued to express creativity in making things and, and taking and shaping and bringing new form out of the creation that was in place. And that's what our creativity continues to do. I, I would be intrigued to know, and it's, it's fascinating that some of the churches have tried, you know, followed this iconography and they've picked up um, sort of remnant pieces and claim that, you know, this is the nail, that one of the nails that was nailed into Jesus' hands and, and put it in a frame and so on some hundreds of years ago and it's not likely that it was actually that particular nail but they've kind of venerated it and so on. But, but imagine actually having an item that Jesus' hands had crafted. That would be something more 
to admire, but we don't worship things. We don't worship paintings like the church down through the centuries and some forms have, have made icons of saints and so on and almost venerated them above Jesus. That's not what it's about. Our creativity is expressing God's image in and through us to bring glory back to him, to give the honour to him, not for ourselves. Sure, some people sell their paintings or their their um, sculptures and so on, and they make a living off it, and that's only fair. But it's when we start to bow down to it and we pay homage to it and we um, we worship it instead of God, that's where we cross the boundary. And so art can be used for evil <laughs> and for good, like all media. Our creativity... needs to be placed into his hands and as it is and when we do that it's amazing what he'll do with it I was reminded and I'm about to close as I was preparing this of a um, an old CD in our collection at home and intriguingly it was a vineyard CD so that might have got a little bit more interest in this uh, <laughs> in this location um, and it was ten, called 10 Songs from Revival and on this 1994 CD, see I told you it was old <laughs> was a song Light the Fire Again Brian, um, Brian Dirksen however you pronounce his name that's my best go at it Dirksen, thank you who prophesies a reclamation of the arts at the end of singing this song in Brighton, south coast of England, about an hour from where we were living. <laughs> Cap, he says, in, in this time at the end of the song, as the music's still playing, that it's, he senses that God's wanting to breathe life back into the arts, into dance, painting, sculpture, music and theatre, and capture the arts back from the sin of idolatry and the self-worship and self-worship for worshipping God. I think at the time he saw it as something that was stirring in the church as a form of worship, and we've seen that happening in, in many churches where painting is something that's done prophetically um, together with singing and, and other things. Um, but I believe it doesn't need to stop at the door of the church or even just happen within our services. It's something that God's wanting to stir in creativity through the church to express who God is out to a world that so needs him. Paul said in Ephesians that um, in Ephesians three, eight to ten, I think I had this. There we go. The grace given to him to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's not just through preaching. 
It's through the church taking creative expression in all forms out to the lost and dying world that the manifold wisdom of Christ might be made known to the principalities and powers as we claim back for God what belongs to him. So let's allow him to stir up in our midst for the songwriters, the singers, the artists, photographers, the sculptors, the artisan craftspeople who are working in wood, metal, stone, resin, other mediums, or, or maybe want to. <laughs> for the jewellers, the interior designers and decorators, for the graphic artists, the animators, the costumers. There was a young woman in the church we attended in London who she did costume design she travelled the world doing ballet costumes. She went to Russia, she came out to Melbourne, she has family in New Zealand but she never got to New Zealand for work because I don't think we could afford the types of things that she was involved in. But, but she was very open about why she was doing what she was doing because of God's hand on her life. Clothing design, food Ah, that might have caught some of the people who didn't think they were creative. <laughs> Every time you make something in the kitchen, you're being creative. Might not be a master chef standard, maybe it is. <laughs> See, creativity comes in all areas of our life, but let's step into creativity with a step that's like a step of faith, which has often been called, it's often been suggested, faith is spelt R I S K. Let me tell you, though, that a step of faith or a step into creativity is worth the risk. Holy Spirit, come. Come afresh. Stir us up. Stir us up like on the day of Pentecost to spill out of the walls of the church, out of the upper room where we actually are, and out to a, a lost and dying world to take the gospel message in whatever language whatever shape or form the people that we encounter need help us as your church to be your instruments not for our own sake but for your glory that your story might be shared to those that need it I thank you that there's none of us in this room that creativity isn't part of our nature and I pray that where you're wanting to prompt, you would, you would prod us this morning. You would highlight um, those items in our lives where may, we may have um, laid aside aspects of who we are and who you're wanting us to be. We might have blamed time and stress and pressure, but help us to make that time. And for those who may not have found that expression, but it's actually there, I pray that you would reveal it. Have your way in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.